Welcome to the Red Text, a crossroads of the holy and heretical. Join, Join us now for another episode in Unholy Communion. Hi guys, before we get into the episode, we just wanted to make a really quick announcement. We are planning on taking a little mid-season break after this episode uh, is launched so that Ryan and I can celebrate Christmas and New Year's with our families and the folks that we love. So we are planning on coming back to you at the beginning of next year. Yeah, we are not leaving y'all in the dust. We just definitely want to be able to focus on celebrating with our loved ones during the holiday season. Um, For those of you who don't realize, editing and distributing a podcast is not done in a single day. It takes work and time, and we just want to be able to dedicate all of our time and energy to, to spending our time with our loved ones this holiday season. So we'll be back likely around mid January. So it's about a about a month or so off that you won't see us, but just think of it as a little mid-season break. You're definitely going to see more of us come next year. With that said, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the Red Text Podcast. My name is Fonzie. I am at Witchalumicente on Instagram. And I'm Ryan, aka the Mestizo Mystic. You can find me on Instagram at the Mestizo Mystic. And today we have a very, very special guest. Um, there very prominent within our little niche community on Instagram within the Catholic Christian umbrella. And uh, this is actually the first time that I have met them um, face to face. And I am so, so, uh, we feel so honored to um, have them with us. Um, Michael, do you mind going ahead and um, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself? And also, please let us know what you're preferred pronouns are so that we know how to address you properly. Perfect. And also, I just want to note, it's probably my first time actually meeting Ryan face to face also, because we've always talked between like indirect messaging. But anyway, um, I'm Michael Therese McQueen. I'm from South Jersey. Uh, My tag on Instagram is Saintly Tarot Mystic, um, where we discuss all things tarot and folk, Catholic, magic related things are all kind of thrown onto that Instagram. And my preferred pronouns are he and they. And Michael, would you mind for those who are just now meeting you for the first time, describing a little bit of what your practice looks like? So you said a bit of full Catholic and tarot and, and you know, saints is in your username. So what is what does your practice look like behind the scenes? So what my practice looks like behind the scenes, I like to describe my practice as an intensive in spirit work, um, particularly working with um, the Catholic saints and the folk Catholic saint pantheon of angels, saints, um, synchronicities with deities and what whatnot. And so my practice really focuses on um, that intense spirit work and allyship um, with the saints particularly. And for our listeners who are completely unfamiliar with Christianity and Catholicism, would you mind maybe talking about what exactly or who are the saints? So the saints, that's, this sounds like such a simple question, but it's actually a very loaded one. And so, but um, the saints, um, so I'm going to tell a story to illustrate this um, that I use when I teach about the saints. So once upon a time, there was a nun 
and she was um, teaching her grade school class and they were in the church and she was teaching them about the saints and who the saints were and their legends and their great deeds. And she was pointing at the different um, stained glass windows in the church um, as she's teaching. So at the end of her class, she asked one of the little girls, so after today, um, who are the saints after we've gone through all these lessons? And the little girl thinks about it for a minute. And she's like, she looks up at the stained glass windows and she says, the saints are the ones who let the light in. And so the saints really are um, those allies that allow that divine grace and that divine light to enter into our lives, into our various situations um, that we find ourselves in day-to-day -day life. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that story. It's such a it's such a great um, way of of kind of visualizing how what the saints actually represent when it comes to folks and how they practice with them. Because bringing in the light that really does resonate with me. Because this is one of the reasons why I went into this or why I practice is because it's just bringing light into my life. You know, so I, I really love that story. Um, I was wondering because something that we've we've covered before is the idea that Mary is kind of the gateway to the saints. Do you also work with Mary in a, in a kind of exclusive way or is it just strictly like saint work that you do? So I am a Mary's boy. Like I am like the typical mama's <laughs> boy. Like just, we, you can't get enough Mary. I think like, you know, it's a part of like the Catholic package. Like, you know, right. like, it's, like we have to be like obsessed with Mary. It's like yeah. a part of the program. Um, but I don't know if I would say that Mary is the gateway to the saints. I think what, how I look at Mary is, because um, you know, we have in the Catholic kind of context that Mary is the queen of all saints. And I think it's more that we find them all in her. Like, you know, like she's kind of like the container for all of them. Um, you think of kind of devotion to the Immaculate Heart, um, that she, she kind of holds all these virtues and all these characteristics um, that the saints really model um, throughout their lives, like even more so than Jesus, I think that the saints really model Mary um, more than anything, because Mary is so much closer to us in that way. Do you have a special relationship with any specific apparition or facet of Mary? Because in the past, when we interviewed our guest Ramona, we kind of elaborated, oh, I'm close to Guadalupe. Or, well, actually, I think all of us were pretty close to Guadalupe. So do, yeah. do you have a, a close relationship with a certain Mary? So I am a Black Madonna horde. And um, <laughs> and I, I love um, the context of the Black Madonna in my devotional work as Earth Mother, um, as the central kind of African mother um, that we all kind of come from. But if I had to choose a particular title, um, I, I would choose two. I'm particularly close to the Madonna di Montevergine um, from the Neapolitan um, area of, um, of Italy. And I'm also particularly close to the Madonna di Tendari. Um, which is also from Southern Italy also. So if I had to pick two that I'm particularly close to, those were two. And then I also have a longstanding devotion um, to Our Lady of Fatima, which is a very complicated devotion to say the least. 
Totally. I'm curious, Michael. So Fonzie and I just actually started for the first time in our lives, the consecration, well, the quote unquote consecration to Jesus through Mary, but I think we're personally both viewing it as consecrating ourselves just to Mary. Have you ever gone through that process? And if so, how was that for you? I have done that at least five times in my life after years of trying to get it down, but then I would forget a week and then, and then have to start all over again. And so, um, it's that was something um because I think the first time that I did it in its completion was in my freshman year of college and my experience with the total consecration is it was like a complete kind of refocusing it wasn't so much that like I didn't know who Mary was but I feel like that relationship and that communion that we have with that person of the blessed mother really intensified after that time I didn't feel that again. There's a newer rendition of the consecration called 33 Days to Morning Glory, Mm -hmm. which is a modern kind of take on the consecration. And I had that reorienting again when I took that version of the consecration. So I think, and it's now that you mentioned it's probably a good time, I probably should do it again, kind of as a renewal. But I feel that it's kind of that constant turning to the mother or that reorienting back to the divine feminine. Absolutely. And for, again, our listeners who may be unfamiliar with you and your work and your page, have you always identified as Catholic or full Catholic or what was your background prior to that? So I was a good Baptist boy growing up. <laughs> I grew up in the typical African-American home where it was, you know, um, in another podcast, we talked about it and it, she put it the best. It's like, all you need is fried chicken and Jesus. <laughs> so I was about to say, this just sounds like good food. It sounds yes. like good food and faith. You know, and so I wasn't always, I wasn't raised Catholic. It I really didn't encounter Catholicism until I um, entered Catholic school when I was in sixth grade. And I stayed in Catholic school from from sixth grade until college. But even before that, interestingly enough, in my household, um, my mother kept a rosary in a drawer somewhere. And I remember as a kid, just kind of being like fascinated with this rosary. And I would like throw it around my neck and like wear it around the house and like, play with this rosary. And so there was this constant presence. And I think when I first encountered it at the first time, the actual praying of the rosary, it's like I had that connection already. Like, you know, there was already kind of that um, seed had already been ingrained from that being in the house. I didn't convert to Catholicism until I was 18. And then I went to St. John's University to get my degree in theology because I wanted to be a priest. (laughs) And we see that that did not work out. Um, (laughs) We are. And during my time of theology and going through St. John's, by the end of that, I was discerning entering the monastery and entering the Mercedarians. So I was in the monastery for that time. And that's when I met my first um, my first introduction to witchcraft and a friend of mine whose name is Scott. And we just had a very good friendship while we were in the monastery. I got kicked out and then he got kicked out a year later. And... <laughs> He, he revealed to me, he's like, you know, my family is a line of witches. And I was like, horrified at first. Like, you know, <laughs> like I was like, absolutely like scandalized. And right. he explained to me, 
his family's practice of the folk Catholic tradition from Southern Italy. And it's like, I had the, oh shit moment of like, you know, this is something that I had been doing basically all my life. And so he became my first, um, my first mentor in the craft, so to say, and it's been history ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you claim the title as a witch? Like, would you call yourself a folk Catholic witch or do you, do you prefer just to say folk practitioner or spiritual practitioner? So I have bounced backwards and forward with that over the years. And I just think it's just badass to call yourself a witch. Like, you know, nothing better than to piss off the church to be like, you know, like (laughs) I am a Catholic witch. And it's just like, and it's just like, I love it. And it's like, I claim that term for myself more in a sense of rebellion um, than just kind of like, you know, like this kind of aesthetic. It's just like, you know, like I see the mysticism, I see the magic in these practices and it's just like you know claiming that for myself and putting that title on it i want to circle back to something that you said that where you you started to realize and see like things that you've been practicing your entire life and kind of seeing how you saw the mysticism in everything and how it was always kind of all around you because one thing that i an example i like to um give folks about like how my family have always been kind of indirectly I don't like to say this but I'm going to say it anyway because it's like the easiest way to understand it but like indirectly doing witchcraft or folk magic because um there's this thing that we we um do when a kid has hiccups um I don't know if this is something that's like um just for my family or it's like a Filipino folk magic or folk magic technique where if someone has um hiccups someone will take a piece of tissue paper and put it in their mouth and drench it in saliva and put it on their forehead um, and bless and consecrate the little piece of tissue to kind of get rid of hiccups. I've seen it my entire life and it's, or um, it's either saliva or holy water. And um, so that's something that I, I was like, Oh, I, I thought that was just, you know, uh, just for some reason growing up, I was like, Oh, saliva on the forehead means cure. You know what I mean? And um, kind of going back to the things that my grandmother used to do to like help, like, um, you know, the, uh, to alleviate um, any sort of pain, she would like rub a, a, a section part, uh, like a section of your back in a certain way, in a certain, you know, whatever. And like incorporating like these folky traditions or folk magic traditions into like a like through a like a catholic lens like incorporating and kind of bringing the mysticism and the um the faith of catholicism and like kind of blending them and making them into like this incredible amalgamation Mm. of you know faith and magic is like something that's always been around me and now that i'm like able to like call it something saying like i'm a folk catholic or i'm a folk christian or i'm a folk whatever i'm a folk magician um, it's just so empowering to me, you know what I mean? Because I'm able to incorporate the things that I've seen and learned my entire life into my magic. Well, I wanted to circle back to the topic of saints. I was really, I'm really curious as to who the first saint you ever worked with was and how that relationship developed and how that kind of, how that relationship affected your practice. Of course. And another question that should be simple, it was really, really complicated, but I, I, I want to, I'll comment on that, but I want to comment on the folk Catholic element first a little bit. You know, I had the, the honor of my first kind of steps in Catholicism to be in a very, in richly 
Italian context, you know, a very Italian American context where, um, you know, the Italians, they don't make any divisions about what's the magic and what's the real faith. And so like, you know, and so my first, like, you know, my first understandings of Catholicism were these very heavily devotional, very heavily syncretized practices, which I believed was just kind of traditional Catholicism, you know, because not having any Catholic family or anything like that, I was like, of course, like St. Michael is garlic, like, you know, like that, that makes complete and total sense. Like, you know, and it wasn't until I went to college for theology and I met other people and they were like talking about like all this doctrine and stuff like that. And I was like, don't you just want to say like a novena to St. Rita? Like, you know, like that just seems so much more beneficial. Um, But, and people like looked at me like I was crazy. Um, But um, really- Isn't that just our life though? How people just look at us crazy, just (laughs) on all sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And, but um, the first saint that I really worked with, um, I, I really think it really was Mary that gave me that, that first step. Um, and this is really where my relationship with Fatima really comes in. Because when I was in sixth grade, um, they made us watch that old, like, 1940s, 1950s film, The Miracle of Our Lady of Fatima. And like, you know, being the little Baptist boy, I was just kind of like, wait, like people still show up. Like, you know, like this is still like a thing. Like, you know, like people are showing up to people's lives. And I remember it blowing my mind. And I think that it really enforced for me kind of that mystical aspect of Christianity in general. And that's what really started my interest in the different apparitions of Mary, um, really wanting to pray the rosary, because getting me to learn the rosary at 12 years old was like pulling teeth. And like, you know, I was like, but Mary's showing up, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta get on this, like, you know, I'm missing out on something. But I think that really that connection with Mary is really was that first um, stepping stone upon my spiritual journey, really awakening my spiritual journey and really putting me on the path to where I am now, which I, which if you told 12 year old me that like, you know, like we would be witches at 32, like, you know, I would have sat there and laughed. And, um, but now hindsight's 2020. And I see that that relationship with Mary really opened me up to be where I am in this present moment. Would you say that the rosary is a good, I know we, we talked about Mary acting as like kind of like a gateway or introduction to the saints, but how about just the rosary? I know uh, you lead Way of the Rose circles on Wednesdays on the East Coast, and I remember we we originally bonded over talking about Way of the Rose, and so I remember in part of the book they mentioned that I think Mary told them like the, the rosary will, you when you pray, you'll have like a column of saints surrounding you. So how do you find, do you, do you integrate the rosary alongside working with the saints? So the rosary is usually my introductory practice for everything. And so like, you know, like if I don't know how to start the ritual off, we will start it off with the rosary. And it's like, it's a surefire way to get anything going. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but um, I think it really depends on the individual. And with any type of devotion, I, I tell people you kind of have to find your own path because like some people just really just don't take to the rosary. Like, you know, like I think, and that's really important 
to mention that the rosary doesn't have to be it for you. Um, there's definitely other entrance points um, to working with the saints. And then even with that, um, not everybody is meant to work with a ton of saints. So you can develop one relationship with um, just one particular entity in that way. But um, for me, definitely, I think that the rosary is a gateway not only to the saints, but really entering into that realm of energy and that realm of kind of the divine spark and can really kind of get things going for you in either direction. Do you think for those who are unfamiliar with working with spirits and spirit work at all, do you think saints would be a more, um, a safer gateway into spirit work? So I always remind people that no area of spirituality is safe because the saints will fuck you up. Like, you know, if you don't come correct. And so, but, um, I think that the saints are an easier gateway because I think it's easier to find with the saints common ground. It's an easier way to um, build that relationship and to build that connection because the saints were human. Like, you know, the saints know what it was like um, to have to pay bills and have to do X, Y, and Z. And so I think where a lot of people get messed up in their spirit work is, is they, they jump straight to deities. Like, you know, we jump straight to kind of the big names within kind of the, the God and goddesses community, like, you know, and I think that becomes kind of a stumbling block because it's like, you know, some of these entities, like, you know, what do we really have in common with them? Like, you know, they're so kind of elevated above us sometimes that we it's not a very straight and easy path, but the saints are really just ancestors, you know? And I think it's important to really think of the saints as a type of ancestry for us. And so there's an easier connection there through kind of that ancestral veneration aspect of it. So I think the saints are an easier way to get in, not so much necessarily a safer way. It's, it's, it's just, it's a lot more accessible. We'll put it that way. Yeah, that makes I think sense. I told, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that makes sense. I mean, because they were humans who lived human lives. Right. So I completely agree with you, Michael, about how nothing is completely safe in spirituality, but I can totally see how the, the saints would also be a slightly easier gateway to access the, you know, spirit work for beginners. I'm going to repeat it for everyone in the back who couldn't hear. Um, no, no aspect of magic is safe. So please don't assume that because we have like this, um, you know, this over um this like uh kind of this connotation of catholicism being all peace and light and and love that because you work with saints doesn't mean it's unsafe that's not necessarily true um so come correct uh um very very important to have reverence and respect for whomever you're you're um communing with um and also i think um something that really stuck out to me is the fact that um yes i i do believe you're you're right in the sense that the saints are much easier to work with um regardless of whether they're safe or not they're much more easier to communicate with because they're not as elusive and i've said this before and i'll say it again is because i i grew up in a very protestant um jesus-centered household um that's just kind of how my my brain is wired. That's why I never really call myself like a like a folk Catholic. I always call myself a folk Christian because it's kind of I use it as an umbrella term um, because I work within the realms of different 
parts of my, my upbringing and then also what I'm learning now. And what I've learned is that, uh, yo, Jesus is not going to answer you sometimes. And that's totally fine. You know, and he's like busy, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's like real, real busy. Um, but like, I always tell folks, I was like, so who do you, what do you do with, uh, like when you were working with Christ, I was like, he's responsible for the big stuff. Like he's responsible for social justice. He's responsible for the election. He's responsible for, you know what I mean? That stuff for me, but like, um, helping me get a raise. That's not Jesus's work you know, helping me, you know, find patience in a time of, of, um, you know, discord. That's not Jesus' work. You know what I mean? That's it's, it's different, but then like healing my trauma that, you know, the ongoing journey of healing my trauma, that's Jesus. That's big stuff. You know what I mean? That's like, that's where I'm, I'm finding peace within Christ, you know, cause he was a healer and this, this, and that. So I think it's one important to understand that yes, saints and these entities are um, there for your disposal, understand what they're there for, what they're responsible for, and and um, kind of approach them appropriately. Um, because at times it could be like, why are you coming? Like, this is disrespectful. This is insulting. Like, why are you coming to me for this? Like, this is not, this is not my work. This is not my, go talk to somebody else. Like, you know what I mean? It's very that, um, you know, so that's, that's something I think folks should understand. I also think like with any spirit work, whether it's deities or saints, angels, whatever, be prepared to be told no. Like just because saints are necessarily slightly easier to work with in the spiritual realm doesn't mean they're going to immediately come into your beck and call. I tried working with St. Benedict. And again, maybe I'm tripping, but like I got a St. Benedict medal and I was wearing it on my chain along with my St. Raphael medal because I was like, oh, maybe Benedict can help me be more orderly in my life. And then like the day after, the first day after I wore it and gave him some water, I was taking off my necklace and the metal like fell off and broke. And I was like, okay, no, maybe not. <laughs> but that's so true. I, I always tell people like not every saint wants to be your friend. Like, you know, like at the end of the day, it's just like, it's the real people. Like, you know, like, and even in the folk understanding that that can get a little bit more complicated but like you know at the end of the day like you don't go to somebody's house and like you don't bring something like you know you don't show up since thanksgiving is right around the corner like you know we don't show up to friends giving and like you know we don't bring something like you know even mm -hmm. if you don't if you bring a bag of chips like you bring something like you know like but it's all a part of that building relationship you know so we bring the gift we bring the offering and you know as time goes on and you build that relationship because let me tell you, I have some relationships with certain saints that um, if people really saw how we interacted, they would just think I was just up, upright blasphemous. Because it's like, you know, because it's just like, you know, it's St. Barbara. I could like, I call her Babs and I'd be like, yo, you a crazy bitch, but I love you. Like, you know, <laughs> and, but it's like, you know, it's that, um, but it's like, you know, you have to get there within that relationship and that these relationships take on a myriad of form, forms, you're going to have saints that it's purely business. Like, you know, it's going to be purely contractual. Like, you know, it's like, this is my end of the bargain. This is your end of the bargain. And like, you know, once it's done, like, you know, we split ways and we come back when you need to do business again. Right. Um, some saints are going to have that more friend dynamic where it's like, you know, like, this is who I go to. This is a confidant. This is somebody who I can turn to in really difficult moments. And then some of them are just like, you know, like I'll be, this is going to sound really bad, but it's like, you know, like I was saying expedites, like the fuck boy and grinder for me. Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, 
he comes in, he's like, I'm ready to go to work. And then like, he'll, he'll leave for like two years and then he'll like pop up again. He'd be like, yo, it's time to go. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's in his name. <laughs> it's in his and name. he'll ghost me again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Saint Ghostedite, yeah. Um, Michael, do you have any like singular fantastical stories of a relationship with the saint you can think of? Or actually, I'm curious, has the saint ever appeared to you in person or in a dream? Like, have you ever had any very... Uh, very holy experiences with a saint? So a lot of my more kind of fantastical experiences happened um, when I was a lot younger. And I think that that's just kind of the nature of spirituality sometimes is just that when we're younger, we have kind of an openness to those types of things. And I think as I've gotten older, that has gotten less and less, partially because I haven't needed it as much. But when I was um, really young and I was really getting involved with the saints, um, St. Philomena is one of my girls. And so I was having this real intense conversation with St. Philomena. And I remember um, distinctly St. Philomena saying to me, I'm always here when you need me. And it was like audible. Like it wasn't just like, it was like in my head or anything like that, but it was just like, it was like, it was an audible voice that said, I'm always here when you need me. And that was always kind of my confirmation that this was real. Like, you know, this wasn't just something that people say it is. And so that really sticks out in my mind as a very defining moment for me. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I think, um, Fonzie, I've touched on this before, and I think now's the time for me to share the story of that one saint who appeared to me in a dream that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, please um, do. Who I still haven't developed a relationship. So anyways, this happened back in August, a couple days. It was like August 25th or 6th. And took a nap on my couch, as I do when I get home from work. And I just remember having this like vivid-ass dream of like, it was like third person that I was that I was viewing it. So I was seeing everything unfold. And I remember seeing kind of like this brother or monk in this like monastery type environment and like walking past some nuns and some other brothers. And they were all giving him like very weird, strange looks. And then at one point, these two brothers or priests or whatever accused him of being like a pagan heretic. So they like strap him up to this like stone obelisk and they're about to like set him aflame and burn him alive. And then as he's on the obelisk and... Uh, he stopped up to the obelisk with some rope and around the obelisk like a bunch of like runes appeared like the elder futhark runes still don't know what that means and he started reciting i don't remember if it was the lord's prayer i should have written this down but uh he started started saying some type of prayer I remember jesus's name being mentioned and then i don't did you guys ever watch the the fear street series on netflix not yet but i'm, I'm gonna get into it uh, okay so for the listeners who have seen it this is what's like funny to me so then the saint in my dream was strapped up to the, the, the rock obelisk and was like, my hand will have a grip on this land and curse it forever. And for those of, who've seen Fear Street, the Fear Street series on Netflix, like the witch, um, Sarah Fear or whatever, she basically says the same thing and curses the land with like her hand and that like her cutoff hand becomes part of the plot of that series. So anyways, I was like, oh, and throughout this dream, I kept having the name like Brian, like echo through my head. So I woke up and I like tried to Google like Saint Brian, like England, Europe, whatever. And I find this saint with little to no information about him. And his name is St. Edmund Aerosmith. Now, the crazy thing is his name when he was baptized was Brian. And then the only relic of him existing was his or is his hand. And like, again, there's like no really little to no biographical information of him out there. So I'd sent out a glass. Oh, and this dream happened two nights before his feast day again, which I had 
no clue about. So it's all these little things, all these things from this dream that I Googled and matched up with his like actual biographical information. And it just blew me away. Like it blew me away that like spirits will just sometimes appear in our lives like that. And again, no one can tell me that it wasn't, that it was subconscious or something because none of that shit like I knew or read about. So I thought that was my first experience with like a saint coming to me. And I still don't know why he came to me, um, but I'd set out a, um, a glass of water for him on his feast day and prayed a rosary for him just to kind of like acknowledge him. But that was my first saint experience that I remember. That was wild. I love that wow. story. And speaking of that, like, um, Michael, I want to see if, is there um, like a certain saint that you have a very, very significant relationship with and like maybe any sort of I don't know things that have maybe been granted to you um because of it or I mean anything within the realms of that any sort of saint that you have a very very significant uh relationship with so the saint that I have a very significant relationship with is Saint Therese of Lisieux which is like a part she's a part of your basic saint starter pack and so like you know Saint Therese the little flower was somebody who's very dear to me and very close to me and I'm trying to get the story together so when I was becoming Catholic you know we go through this whole ritual of like having the confirmation name and stuff like that and I was going through I had already decided that I wanted the saint that I picked to be female it was just kind of like the list of saints that I had become enamored with from sixth grade on to, you know, graduating high school that I had to choose from. And I was gonna choose one of the virgin martyrs, but I ended up kind of clandestinely um, reading St. Therese's story of a soul and really resonating with Therese's simplicity, kind of her simplicity of understanding who God was, her simplicity of understanding her place in the divine plan. I just think that there's no simpler way to kind of like holiness or virtue of just like doing everything no matter how small it is with great love like you know and that really resonated with me and so I'll never forget it was the night before really we got underway with choosing our confirmation names and it was going to be set in stone and the woman who ended up being kind of taking me on as a godchild of hers brought in our first class relic of Saint Therese of the child Jesus that night and so I was like this is it I was like this is it this was the confirmation like this is who it's supposed to be and so it Interestingly enough, the woman who ended up becoming my god, like a godmother to me, is also a secular third, uh, a secular discalced Carmelite. And so lots of connection there with St. Therese in that confirmation. But um, one of the beautiful things about St. Therese is when St. Therese manifests herself and when she's working for you is that she sends you roses in really unexpected ways. And it's just too many to kind of count in my life where I've called on her. And when the prayer has been granted, like, you know, I've received the rose and she'll even give you the rose for the no. Like, you know, like one of the beautiful things you could do with her is like, you know, if it's a yes, you know, I need this color. If I don't, if it's a no, I need this color. And so like, you know, she always shows that, that intense presence in my life in that very, in that way. But I think for me with her, it's more, she's more like the role model and it's kind of living her way um, each and every day of my life of kind of doing everything with that amount of love and that amount of attention. That's beautiful. How would you, Michael, introduce someone who wants to start 
working with the saints? Like, what would you tell them are the steps required or necessary to, to begin working with or reaching out to the saints if they wanted to start incorporating saint spirit work into their practice? Oh my God, you stole the question straight out of my mouth. <laughs> I think the first of all, because it's like, because there's thousands of saints, like, you know, like it's, it's like, again, another question that should be simple, but it's really a loaded one. But I think the desire to work with saints is the first step, you know, just having the desire really is is the gateway after that i would tell people like you know go into prayer like you know go into light a candle leave out a glass of water and you know ask that question of the saints that are within my court the saints that are walking with me you know to start kind of showing themselves and then to um to kind of listen to the signs, pay attention to the signs. The other way would be one of resonance. Like, you know, if you're not familiar with the Catholic pantheon, you know, go into a church that has a lot of iconography and like, see who sticks out to you. Like, you know, like what's really calling you and what's really speaking to you in that moment. And, and kind of go from there. I think there's not one right, one right or wrong way of approaching the work of saints. Like I, I encourage people all the time, like, you know, if you need to date, date a couple of saints, like, you know, that's okay too. Like, you know, like get, get the little anthology of the saints and like, you know, try try a few out and like see see how you jive. But I think that, that that work itself, that desire from the beginning is what's important and the way that it happens will kind of pan out kind of naturally um, depending on the person's disposition. You um, have any recommendations for anyone who does want to go into maybe starting a relationship with saints, or maybe maybe this could be just heavily UPG stuff, but which it probably is. But based on your experience, do you maybe have um, any saints that come into mind that would be, you know, a good starting point or someone who is easy to work with, and then also maybe someone you should avoid working with until you know until you maybe you've come you've come a little bit more with practice and I don't know just with more uh awareness and reverence I guess I'm trying to say I think from my experience and I'm just going to put her out there because we already mentioned her like you know Saint Therese is a great starting place you know if a saint that will really work with anybody like you know that there's really kind of no prerequisites or anything like that with her that you can kind of really start a very easy relationship with her. Another that comes to mind is St. Francis. Um, a lot of the Franciscan saints tend to be pretty easy to work with. Um, St. Francis himself, um, St. Anthony, um, St. Padre Pio tend to be um, really amicable about working with people. The angels can be kind of iffy because everybody runs yeah. to the angels, but the angels can be, the angels can be iffy. Um, Let me tell you something right now. I'm going to tell I'm, I'm going to confirm exactly what he said. The angels are hard. You have to be really, really, really dedicated to work with the angels. They're tough. They're really tough. I will say St. Raphael's been pretty smooth to work with. I don't know if that's just me, but I've also read other people saying if you're reaching out to angels, St. Raphael's pretty oh, actually, smoother than like someone like Michael. Actually, you're right. You're you're actually very right because I also, I also work with St. Raphael and he's got my back. He's actually pretty good. But like when I work with Michael, oh my gosh, homeboy is a elusive man he is so he is so like i want to be friends with him so bad i don't know why i think he's so cool but like i don't he doesn't want to be my friend and i don't know why it's it's funny like because like i'll be really honest with you so Raphael was the first angel that i really worked with and like i always hated like my namesake like you know and it took us years to like 
get on like speaking level like you know and it's just like like we sit there and it's just like now we're cool like now we're cool but now it's every year he's very demanding like michael is right. like nobody like really thinks about that but michael's kind of like and i'm sorry mike i'm just gonna say that he like he's like <laughs> he's he's a little brat sometimes like you know like 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 a month before his feast day comes he'll be like my, my feast day's coming my food. yeah yeah like he's like i'm letting you know i'm i'm stopping by like where's my altar like you should right. have to start it like a month early and i was like well when you can pay for it like you'll get it on the time that you can get it like you know um <laughs> But the reason yeah. you say that too, because the thing that I that I don't know for what what brought me to it, but when I was building my my Michael altar, for some reason I felt like he wanted to be by himself, so I, I built an altar just for him. You know, like I don't feel like he wanted to share the space, so it's like like he's not even like he's not even under like my Mary, my Miriam altar my Miriam altar is underneath with my other I have Raphael and I have Jesus on that altar and then I have Michael right above like I'm telling him I was like yo I'm taking care of you like I want you to like I want you to feel really nice and comfortable in my home you know what I mean I'm going to confirm that for you so I had an experience with Michael maybe about 2 years ago where it was coming up to the feast day and um he was like, he said, and this was literally the words, I need all these bitches off my table. And I was like, and so. <laughs> he said, clear the room. Yes. <laughs> the room. Oh my God. I'm here. Everyone leave. Yes. I said, like, get them all off. Like, it's like, it's my time. And I was like, all right, diva. Like, you know. <laughs> That's some big ass Leo energy. I can relate. <laughs> yeah that's that's so, all fire he's all fire right he's all fire he's all fire um but anyway um other saints that i would work with as a beginner saint jude saint jude mm. is kind of the catch-all saint for everything and saint jude saint jude is just lovely like you know like you just have to think about him and like he works like you know like you don't even have to do the ritual sometimes he's just like yeah let's go like you know and i think saint jude is is very approachable and he's willing to kind of take anything even just like offerings of its offerings with love saints that i would avoid um would be like saint martha because St. Martha's a bad bitch and she don't play with nobody. And she don't always play nice either. <laughs> Some traditions with St. Martha say that St. Martha only works with women. Some say that St. Martha works with women and gay men, which I have found to be very true. And then St. Martha is just, she's difficult. Even from the biblical story, I was like, she's the only one who told off Jesus. And I was like, you know, I can respect that. Like, you know, like she basically put Jesus in his place. Like, you know, and so like, you know, like that's who you're dealing with when you're dealing with Martha. And so she's a little bit, like I consider Martha like an intermediary uh, saint. St. Peter can be fickle. St. Peter can be really difficult to work with in certain situations because he's just stubborn. And I feel like if it's just like you don't know how to kind of like stroke his ego a little bit, he can be really difficult to work with. Um, St. Expedite just don't like everybody. I know everybody wants to run the St. Expedite, but St. Expedite just be like, girl, no. Like, you know, and like give you that eye roll too. Like, who are you? And so like, you know, like he's my grinder fuck boy. So, I mean, if he treats me this way relationship <laughs> for this long, like, you know, like <laughs> just, just imagine. And so. Yeah, but like, here's the thing. Like, we want to talk about when you use Expedite as like the grinder fuck boy. Like, I mean, the grinder fuck boy comes through. 
does he exactly does. Well, do, does exactly what they need to do, and they're they and then they're, they're they 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 dip. That's it. I did That's my it. job, and I'm out. Right, and I'm out. <laughs> and he won't come back for like a year or two later. Like you know, it's been it's been a minute since I worked with right. him. It's like when he comes knocking on that door, I'm like, I'm ready. It's like I know you're ready. Like let's yeah, go. It's like that two a.m. text would be like, "What you doing? You up? Right? What you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael, have you worked at all with St. Mary Magdalene? I'm, I was uh, researching her the other day and she sounded very, very interesting. And like, she has a very intimate relationship with Jesus. So I'm curious if you've worked with her and how that was. So I have worked with Mary Magdalene. So Mary Magdalene isn't a part of my normal crew because I tend to work with Mary Magdalene when I, I have worked with Mary Magdalene has been much more involved with kind of the sexual mysteries of Christianity. Like, you know, finding eroticism in the Christian mysteries. She's not prominent anymore because I think the Black Madonnas and um, the Madonna di Montevergine have become much more of that for me, but I've definitely worked with her, like, you know, in my beginning love spells and shit like that. Like, you know, like we just, it's like Mary Magdalene's going to get it done. Like, you know, like Mary Magdalene's going to help you get the D if nothing else. Like, you know. (laughs) 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 And so, but um, uh, Mary Magdalene, even though she isn't prominent in my personal practice. She's definitely somebody who I have recourse to and I have a great reverence for, but she's not one that is particularly prominent in in my practice. Since we've talked on kind of saints to work with, saints to avoid for beginners, could you also touch a little bit on offerings? Like what do, I know saints just like spirits sometimes have individualized offerings, but for someone who's completely new to them and working with the cult of the saints, what are like general offerings that people could, can give to them? I think it really depends on who you're working with. And I tell people, like, do your research. Like, you know, like, it's because usually what they liked in life is what they're going to like in depth. You know, as my teacher, Gian Michael says, everybody likes biscotti. So you can always bring like a plate of biscotti. Like, you know, but I think it's important in those beginning steps of relationship that, you know, we do a little bit of digging. Like, you know, and if you're working with St. Therese, like, you know, getting the little French praise pastry like you know won't hurt like you know and it shows that you made that effort to get to know a little bit of that saint's background but I mean if you don't have the money or you don't have the place like I have coffee and tea with my saints like you know we drink wine together um Saint Michael you know we do we do um whiskey shots because that's like his thing and so like you know but I think it's anything from the beginning unless the saint like you know really has like an aversion to alcohol. Like, you know, like I wouldn't do um, wine with that saint, but generally most saints are, are really cool with having a glass of wine together or having like a dessert together. I, and I think that that's really the starting place for that. If you're, if you haven't done that much research yet. So I want to add to that is that most of the saints were folks who were not of high standing um, a lot of them were were um, folks who were who were poor. So if you don't know what to offer them, bread and water is something that they would easily recognize and easily appreciate because like bread, water, maybe a cheap wine, they'd be like, I'm for this rum, you know what I mean? Something that you know is like something they can easily recognize and be like, oh, you're paying attention. Thank you. I appreciate you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things where, you know, or sugar. 
you know, mm. about, but that's something that also, um, I, I always try to incorporate into my, um, my offerings is something sweet or sugar itself, because sugar was something that was so um, difficult and so expensive to have sometimes um, when it was available. Do you know what I mean? So that's something that I think they would also like to, you know, just kind of um, think critically about what you're giving them. You know what I mean? Um, something that I like to do when it comes to offering things to Mary is I always offer her for some reason, I always offer her something that I know my grandmother likes um, because I, a lot of the exposure I've had to Mary throughout my life was through my grandmother. And I think Mary understands that. So she understands that I'm channeling her because of the relationship I have with my grandmother. So I, I offer her things that I know my grandmother likes and she seems to really like it. So, um, so yeah, I think it's really important to um, critically think about what you're doing. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys uh, follow um, or saw the post by uh, Marshall, the witch of Southern light, but it was um, something uh, the, one of the uh, things about being a, uh, cunning folk is to actually be cunning is to actually use your critical thinking skills when you're using these things. Like if you see something saying like, Oh, Anthony, or no, uh, Michael really likes, I don't know, pop tarts for some reason and be like, um, that doesn't sound right. I don't think <laughs> Michael would resonate with pop tarts for, you know what I mean? Like use your like discern, those things that you're hearing and like, see like, okay, maybe I, I can, I can uh, find something else that might, you know, actually be a, 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 a substantial offering to them. Totally. And I do want to say for people who, you know, struggle financially and literally can't afford, you know, even a packet of sugar, um, heartfelt prayer and devotion, never be afraid to fall back on that. Now don't take the lazy way out thinking, Absolutely. Oh, I can just use prayer solely for offerings. Like if you can afford offerings as simple as bread and water do that but if you genuinely have nothing but heartfelt prayer like they will understand that and they will take that Absolutely. gladly and like as you know human beings living or spiritual beings living human experiences time is time is literally of the essence time is money so if you spend you know 20 30 minutes doing a rosary or just heartfelt prayer like that's a currency exchange right there that's an energy exchange to that spirit so prayer you know is always a great way to go if you genuinely don't have anything else to give I want to add to that also, and it's it's also just being good to people, like, you know, doing, going out of your way to do something good for somebody else. Um, most of the saints particular were involved in charity, like, you know, even if it's just like, let's say you're working with St. Anne, like, you know, give your grandparents a call. Like, you know, if you haven't called your grandparents in a while or being present to somebody in their need, those works of charity, along with the prayer also, um, greatest offerings, greater offerings sometimes than the things that we offer materially. Absolutely. Or even uh, donating to charities in the name mm -hmm. of like a saint. That's something I have done in the past and, and like to do. I think I did that for something what they once. Oh, speaking of Michael, do you work with any folk saints outside of the traditional like cult pantheon? So I do work with Santa Marte. I am a Santa Marte devotee. Um, better work. Is... <laughs> Say it again. I said you better work. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> you know, like it's like, it was like the thing to do, but it's yeah. but my relationship um, with her is a little bit different, um, which I think, again, it's, it's just kind of when we develop these relationships um, that for me and her, we have this kind of very standoffish relationship where she's not so much directly involved. It's very much for me, it's a recognition 
of death as an ally and death as something that's very near and dear and close. So she's not one that I ask for anything. You know, like, it's like I, I say the prayers and we have that communication time, but it's kind of like, you know, we sit, we have time with each other and then but it's like, we don't really work together in the typical type of way that most people work with her. Just recently, I had an experience with her where she told me, she's like, I want you to put me on your ancestor altar and I'll be a bridge for you, for you and your ancestors. And I was like, and so that's something that's very particular to our relationship with each other. And so um, that's kind of where me and Santa Marte particularly are. Um, Others folk saints, I tend to not have a ton of folk saints that I work with. In the more folk way that I work in, I work particularly through syncretism. And so like, you know, like I work with a lot of saints that pair different deities, like um, the Virgin, de, the Madonna di Monte Virgine um, is a promotion of Cibele, um, Madonna de Libera as Isis. And so I tend to work more in the folk way um, with kind of those polytheistic doubles in the syncretism with the different saints. Most of the folk saints haven't really called out to me other than Santa Marte. So I tend to work more in that kind of dualistic way. That's beautiful. I was, yeah, you just answered the other question I was going to ask of whether or not you work as a witch with other pantheons and deities outside of Catholicism, but you you did just answer that with the answer you gave through syncretism. That's beautiful. But, but also through syncretism, I also practice Shinto. So I do work with the Japanese deities also. And so um, that is the other kind of side of my spirituality that's very private. And I don't really talk about it. So you don't see it very much on Instagram. Like every now and then you'll see something from my Shinto practice pop up. But like my Shinto practice is something that I kind of keep keep in the background. And so I I love that because I didn't realize Shintoism for the longest time was part of your practice since you keep it private. But it's also I, I don't practice it because I haven't researched it or found a mentor in that tradition. But I've always felt drawn towards it, especially especially as just someone with animist viewpoints and you know, as someone of Filipino descent and, you know, Asian influence from all the surrounding countries, I always thought Shintoism was beautiful, but it was funny because you'd made a post, um, I'm still on my social media hiatus, so I can't remember how long ago it was, but uh, it was one of the main deities in Shintoism. I want to say it's Amaterasu or, or something along that line. And before I even saw your post about that deity, I was like literally just reading about it. So then I saw that on your post and how you incorporate Shinto. And I was like, oh, that's so, that's, that's cute. That's cool. <laughs> no, Amaterasu Okami-sama is... Um... Is very is kind of the main focal point of Shinto. You know, like we're supposed to have her kind of. She is the French kami in the kami dana. If you if you have her, like she's the first one. Like she's the one that you kind of go through everything. In a way, she's very much like Mary. That way, kind of like Amaterasu is the opening point to everybody else. So yes, definitely. <laughs> I want to just circle back really quick um, and make a point about um, when you were talking about your relationship with Santa Muerte, what um, I think, I, I don't know if I speak for all of us, but I, I'm pretty sure I do, is that um, regardless of what you hear from other people and how they work with certain saints, they are not going to work with you the same way that they work with other people. So that's why it's so, so, so important to be in constant communion with these saints because they will tell you how they want to be um, 
worked with or the, how they how, how you can show your reference to them and how you can what offerings they want or what you know what I mean all of these things where they want to be placed how often they want to be prayed to you know etc cetera, etc cetera. like there's it, it's so nuanced when it comes to working with these with these um entities because they know what you need as an individual therefore they will work with you differently that like your relationship with Santa Muerte is definitely different from the relationship that Ryan has with Santa Muerte. And if I ever do um, develop a relationship with Santa Muerte, I don't know if I will. She scares me. <laughs> but if I ever do, I know for a fact that if we put them side to side, they're going to be, they're going to look so different, you know? So it's really important to like, just because you see your relationship not as significant or um, looking differently as someone else who works with this particular saint, let's say St. Anthony, you know what I mean? Like St. Anthony is able to find uh, missing things for me, but maybe um, St. Anthony works with you differently. He's able to find um, not maybe material things for you, but maybe opportunities, lost opportunities or lost, um, you know, um, relationships, you know, what were you saying? Or like something like motivation. It can even be like a trait. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it really depends. Um, and it's really important to try to channel that that um, that that communication with them so that they know I'm willing to work with you, no problem, but let's work this way. You know, let's do it this way because this is what I feel you need. Yeah, I think I think what's really important, especially how social media like gives you a glimpse into everyone's practices, like assumes it's supposed to go one way or the other, but it's really, it's a balance of tradition and history with UPG, right? So like, you know, like um, you guys were talking about earlier, like garlic is associated with embodying the spirit of Archangel Michael. That's great. But also like maybe in someone's practice, their UPG, Michael does want Pop-Tarts, but that doesn't mean you're going to tell everyone, oh, everyone start giving Michael Pop-Tarts, right? It's just <laughs> right. that unique individual relationship. So I think everyone who has not dived into spirit work yet or is still unfamiliar and still trying to work their way into it, do the do the research, look at the history, look at the tradition, but also pay attention to what that spirit communicates with you. Cause like we've all mentioned throughout this episode, it's going to be unique with, with you and that spirit. Ryan, you took the words out of my mouth. I was like, somebody wants that pop tart. Like, you know, somebody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, listen, if Anthony doesn't want the pop tart, I'll take it. <laughs> oh, fun question. What's your guys, do you guys like pop tarts? What's your favorite? I like brown sugar cinnamon. I'm basic. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, this sounds really strange, but a frozen s'mores pop tart yeah. is fucking fire. I'm not okay. even a little bit joking, but yeah, I do love brown sugar and cinnamon. That's, that's like, that's like, that's like, it tastes like nostalgia to me. It's, right. You know, it tastes like, it tastes like, um, like Saturday night watching SNCC. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, watching Keenan exactly and Kel. <laughs> watching Keenan and Kel with like two packs of cinnamon fucking pop tarts. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So I'm I'm basic also in mine are the the my favorite are the strawberry ones with the frosting, like with the frosting with the frosting. It has to be with the frosting. Yeah, because they came out they came out with that frostingless one. I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? (laughs) Who greenlit that? I I need to speak to their manager. (laughs) Did you guys toast them? I never toasted my. I just ate that shit straight out the packet. I just told you I can't. I I put mine in the freezer. (laughs) Yes. 
nobody it's like i think i toasted them maybe like two times in my life and then i was like hey nobody got time for this shit like right <laughs> but also like it comes out like boiling lava hot and i'm just like i so i gotta wait for it to toast and i gotta wait for it to cool down absolutely not literally as in the words of austin bannock's bramble literally truly very honestly it, that it's very that yeah <laughs> it's very that Real quick, I wanted to, because it just popped into my head, because she, she wants to be recognized. I do work with um, Anna Masola as a folk saint. I do work really intensely with Anna Masola as a folk saint. And so I just wanted to put that out there. Okay, <laughs> since, you, since, you, since you brought her up, I am not, is it female? Is this a female saint? So Anna Masola is, is complicated because it depends on kind of which tradition of Anna Masola um, you're working with. So I work on kind of a dual paradigm with anima sola because you have kind of anima sola who i like to call anima sola the archetype um who is the image of the woman in purgatory who goes, oh yes you just <laughs> um, i just clicked okay yes and so but there's also the kind of anima sola devotion which is very geared towards um kind of lost in hurting souls. And so I work on kind of a dual basis with that image, um, with both of those concepts. Anima Sola is a saint that I have had experiences with where I've had dreams where the Anima Sola has come. I had a dream once where a priest was saying a mass to the Anima Sola. And it was very interesting because like all the prayers were to the anima sola in Latin. And then the, the lights went out in the church. And then a picture of Our Lady of Lords um, showed up. And I had talked over it with a friend. And he's like, that's really interesting because, like, you know, Our Lady of Lords is associated with water. And anima sola is always thirsty. And oh. so, yeah. <laughs> and so I do have this, this ongoing relationship with anima sola, um, both in the lost souls, the lost souls um, working manifestation of them, but also with the more archetypal kind of woman image also. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's just from what I've read, I've heard she's more along the lines of like, I guess, I can't remember if wrathful is the right term, but quote unquote wrathful spirit. So like, that's one that beginners probably shouldn't straight towards, right? Because she can be kind of, I've heard she can be a lot to deal with. Oh, she, 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 you don't fuck with her. Like, you know, like if, like, if you don't know what you're doing, like, she's not one that, that you, that you deal with, but it's, it's so, Again, it depends on really what tradition of anima sola you're coming from. Because um, even when you're working with lost souls, that's also one of those situations where it can get very tricky if you don't know what you're doing. Totally. Like, you know, and it's like, because um, even on my Instagram, I had somebody recently and it's like, I, I offered the anima sola alcohol. And I was like, you never do that. Like, you know, like you never, like, that's just, that's like a no. Like, that's like, you just this is not something that you do um but um it, she is um whatever way that you approach that it's really important to take some discernment with that um if you feel called to it um you don't start petitioning directly you leave light you leave water and you pray and you kind of wait for your marching orders after that like you know because that could be all that she wants from you like you right. know and and that's that's about it or you could be leaning more into the lost souls way and doing that work um of the psychopomp work of kind of helping souls elevate but that's also an area where you have to be very difficult um very use a lot of discernment in that also. Totally. I see. I wasn't even aware that there was different traditions of Anima Sola. I just kind of knew her as like that 
that spirit in purgatory. So that's really um, interesting to know. That's um that's the most popular manifestation of the devotion, but if you look at anima sola from a of an Italian tradition, um it's much more of that kind of purgatorial lost soul kind of thing, soul that wanders, um devotion. What we see with the kind of archetypal with the woman we find a lot in Spain and we find a lot in Latin America. And so um, there are those two divergences of, um, of the tradition. But what's interesting is, is that the work that you do for both of them is absolutely the same, almost <laughs> the same. Even though the anima sola that's kind of like in purgatory, sometimes we like to use her when it's like, you know, sometimes with her, it's like, you know, this bitch did this to me, so we need you to fuck her up. Like, you know, or like, or you can also with her, a lot of her workings particularly are with love and sex. And so, um, first of all, I have a funny story. So there's this guy that I was like head over heels with. And so I decided like somewhere in my mind, I was not using discernment. Um, I decided I was going to sell my soul to the animal sola so I could have him. And then I would like, <laughs> replace her in purgatory and I had this one friend who was like yes Michael do it you know how many Latinas pray to the anima sola she's like you're going to be in purgatory for what 10 minutes stop before your replacement comes <laughs> and so I had other great friends who talked to me out of selling my soul to the anima sola but I was definitely down because I would, I would be like I would only be in purgatory for 10 minutes until my replacement came that's, <laughs> that's hilarious that's so funny you were dead ass ready to be like, I will sell my soul for this man. Oh my god! I was like, I was there. I was like there, and I was like, Oh my god! Luckily, the man was the man even worth it? No, that whole oh. relationship was a train wreck. Oh, like, okay. it, that's a train wreck, and I'm just like, I'm very <laughs> glad that that's like not the route that I went down. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Oh my god, that's so well. At least I know I have that in my toolbox if I ever need it. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> Ryan, I'll let you know. That's the situation. <laughs> See, I'm just I'm waiting for my turn with St. Raphael to find a happy matchmaking. Until then, it's just uh oops. Did you hear that notification on my computer? I did. It's okay. Sorry. Say what say what okay. you said again. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm waiting for my turn with St. Raphael for like a happy matchmaking because there's one thing my dumbass will never do, and it's love magic for myself for like like uh mm. domination wise you know like i've talked to austin about this like oh if someone wants me to do domination work for them sure it's not gonna end well for them but it's not right. me so i don't care but like for me mm, no thank you and amari right. not me <laughs> it's very that actually i totally agree with you because like um the thing about it is is like i i, I trust myself to do i i know within my skills like i'm able to do a love spell to an extent for somebody else, because I'm just like, yeah, let's just do this. Let's just do that because let's see if this works. You know what I mean? They, I, I really don't have anything to lose. Do you know what I mean? There are folks who just approach me like, can you do this for me? Can you do, and there are folks who come to me for painful work. And I'm just like, actually it just happened. It just, someone got their, one of my friends got their heart broken and they were like, um, is there anything that we can do to make this guy's life a living hell? I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, just like, oh my god this might come back to me you know what i mean but if it was somebody else i'm just like let's do it let's do it now let's do it right now oh are you free right, right now do you have a jar do you have a jar let's do this do you have to let's... pee go go yeah. in this jar right now yeah. <laughs> you have um, to shit even better like you know yeah do you do you have to too. shit because do you have a shit in a jar by any chance because um <laughs> i got something perfect for you actually that kind of segues into what i wanted to ask next like if we can um because we we are not only just a folk 
um, Christian podcast. We are also a witchcraft podcast, and it's something that um, I like to touch on sometimes. Um, what does your craft look like if we want to separate it from like folk Catholicism, like, or as much as you possibly can, like, what does like your, your techniques, your, um, the traditions that you practice, what does that, um, look like to you? And how, like, uh, how do you practice? So I am an herb boy. Like, you know, like I love my plant allies and my plant spirits. Like, you know, like, you know, if I'm going to kind of work within that magical space, it's going to be through the plant allies. And for me, that plans out perfectly with the saints, because if I'm not sure how a particular working is supposed to go out, I'll ask the saints, you know, what herb do you want to do to use in this working um, for whatever. Um, I just had a client recently who needed some clarity. And so we were working with St. Clair and I was like, St. Clair, what's, what are we going to use? And she's like, I want the star anise. And I was like, all right, girl. And I found out a week later that star anise is traditionally worked with St. Clair. And I never knew that. And so I was like, oh, good call. So like, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's that very close ally work um, with the saints and within my ritual work. Um, cause I don't, I don't really separate my devotional life from my magical life. Cause I just believe that, that life is the life that we live is magical to begin with. So there's not a separation. Like I'm doing witchcraft if I'm praying the rosary, like, you know, even if oh, it's yes. for a particular, for a particular work thing, like, or anything like that, like, you know, like I'm, I'm doing the magic I'm entering into a place of the working. So like, for me, the devotional and the kind of the witchcraft aspect of it almost are so intertwined that they're like undistinguishable. And it's it's not like I say kind of this is folk Catholicism and this is witchcraft. For me, it's like, it's all in it together. Like, even if I'm doing a working, like I'm going to, you know, say the Hail Marys over it. I'm going to call on the particular saint to help. And so that's what my craft really looks like. But other than that, it's very down home and dirt. Like, you know, we don't get too, like, ritualistic. I think I was talking to Ryan about that Goetic rosary book. And I was like, this is cute. I was like, this is too much, though. That's like, a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's, I was like, this is, no. I was like, no, we're going to get the, we're going to get the high John, the conqueror root, and we're going to throw it in the jar. And we're going to call St. Peter to help us work with this. And I was like, that's, this is too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, Michael, that actually makes you want to, or that, that, prompted me to want to ask I know a lot of people automatically assume if you're working with saints you're probably doing right hand healing type work but as witches we also do not hesitate to step into the baneful so on the topic of baneful workings are there any saints you'd recommend that you know are willing to help in terms of baneful magic saint barbara will fuck a bitch up like you know if nothing else like saint barbara is more than willing to push that bitch in front of a truck for you like you know and that is how i work with her that she is my role girl for it she is always down she's like who are we cutting today and so um definitely saint barbara is one of them that she'll just like you know just like who is it like point me in the direction and we're ready to go um saint martha is another one who I'll work with to like, you know, just put somebody under the house. Um, interestingly enough, like, and this is like St. Anthony don't play nice either. Like St. Anthony is like, sometimes is like your mafia saint in the Italian context. Like, you know, most of the Italian saints will bury somebody under a house for you. Like, you know, 
It's like it's like the Sopranos all over. Right. Like you know, um, so the mystic the mafia. It is. It's the whole mafia. Like you know, um, so many of the Italian saints will like put somebody under a house for you. But particularly for me, um, Saint Martha and Saint my, and Saint Barbara are my go-to's when um, I want to just like, you know, that bitch had it coming to her, like, you know, and um, of course everybody knows St. Cyprian, but St. Cyprian is also one of those ones that you kind of have to be kind of careful with too, because he's he's a little difficult and he's a little demanding and he's also a little bougie. He's not he's not a cheap offering, like you know, like Saint Saint Cyprian wants the good shit, like you know, um, and so just kind of to keep in mind with that. But um, definitely for me, Saint Barbara and Saint Martha. <laughs> awesome. And then earlier you mentioned you have clients, so I always want to make sure we're plugging people's businesses and and what they offer. So what what services do you offer, and how can you be reached for those services? So I do offer um, general tarot card readings on the daily. Um, I also offer candle services for the particular saints um, and readings and candle services in packaging. I definitely recommend the reading and candle service in the packaging just so that we know what's going on in your life. Like, you know, before we light the candle and then we have to, and it's not like, oh, we have to go back to the drawing board. Cause like, we definitely like fuck this up. Like, you know, um, but I do um, at the present moment, I do offer the tarot card readings and the candle services um, with the different saints that I work with for my clients. And that's all on my Instagram, which is saintly tarot mystic. And um, if you go into my bio, there's a link tree to all my services. Ryan, you also, offer tarot readings as well right or is that still something that you're are you doing that right now i do um just well i usually get booked through instagram so i guess since i'm on this social media hiatus temporarily stopped but hopefully i'll be back on in like another two or so weeks actually today's a week without any social media so that's been nice oh i love it but yes normally i can be reached at um on instagram at the mestizo mystic for tarot readings i still offer reiki energy healing on like a case-by-case basis it's very very uh yeah, case by case basis for that, but I do offer tarot readings. Yeah, I don't offer anything, so leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe sometime in the future I will, but <clears throat> leave me alone. <laughs> I'm here to talk. I just like talking to people. I like talking to folks. Um, that's wonderful. I love it. The uh, this is just something that just popped into my head recently because this is something that I actually wanted to ask Ryan, and I think I want both of you to actually um, answer this is uh, because we have the holidays coming up, because we have spent a lot of time kind of discerning the institution of what the church has kind of conditioned us to believe and um, what the church has kind of brought upon as, quote unquote, traditions. How do you celebrate Christmas and how do you view it? And um, whether you do or, you know, if you do or if you don't, um, why and why not? Michael, you're our guest. I think you should go first. I love Christmas. I do. But it's like, you know, like, like I, again, because I came from like a very Italian culture. So it's like, you know, you go to midnight mass half drunk out of your ass. Like, you know, like, like, you know, like all hail the baby Jesus, like, you know, stumbling up to communion. But like, you know, for me, um, especially coming through the Italian tradition as my perspective, um, the, the Christmas holiday is one of the most magical ones. Um, when I, when I received my initiation 
into my um, teacher's um, family tradition, you know, we receive the Malocchio cure on Christmas Eve at midnight. You know, we receive that family that family initiation within that context. So there is this kind of very magical understanding of the Christmas holiday from the Italian magical tradition. And of course, like, you know, St. Francis, who is a big witch saint, came up with the Christmas creche and has this whole tradition around um, the creche itself. Also, fun fact, Christmas is also a night that you can do baneful work because in the Italian tradition, it's one of the ones that um, there's a particular curse that you can do with a lemon and you um, poke the lemon with peat needles throughout the midnight mass um, when you want to like fuck somebody over. So there's there's another one for your for your um, toolbox right there. Um, and so um, thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> We're all going to be at midnight mass this year with pins and needles in our pocket. Right. Like, you, know? <laughs> you can find that curse, I think, in the Italian folk magic book by Mary Grace Farun, if I remember correctly. Yes. <laughs> um, but that. Christmas for me is just, it's, so, it's magical. And it's so much about new beginnings and like, you know, allowing that newness to be born into our lives because it's it's that miracle, you know? And I think for us, it can be that foundation for the most magical and the most miraculous of our lives to kind of have that starting point. And so it's like, you know, like do those workings for new beginnings on Christmas, like, you know, do that up into the epiphany. And like, you know, the epiphany is that explosion, you know, that finding of the divine in our lives. And so I think that there's a real place um, to find, like, you know, and it sounds so corny, the magic of Christmas, like, you know, um, but like, you know, like there's something very true about that. And there's something very deep about that. I love Christmas. I love winter season in general. I guess, well, living in an area where it doesn't snow, I love Christmas time. But I'm just Chris- Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the crisp winter air without oh any snow. But uh, I just let you know Christmas over here is palm trees and beaches. <laughs> I'm coming to visit. Y'all are my Christmas this year. <laughs> but um, I love Christmas time. I just feel like there's that spirit of generosity and and wonder in the air, and people are nicer to each other. Aside from all the capitalist bullshit and commercialization of Christmas, I, I still love the season. Um, I don't have any super special Christmas traditions in my family that I grew up with. Like we don't make an Advent wreath or anything like that. But uh, Christmas Eve, we'd always spend at my grandma on my dad's side, my Filipino grandma's side, and then Christmas Day, we usually spend at some a, a relative on my mom's side. So it was always nice to like basically have two Christmases and um but it's funny because all day today today was super slow at my job and I was just researching like I've never really understood Advent or what Advent season is so I was like in-depth researching what Advent is Advent traditions how that leads up to Christmas time at, like the tradition between uh, behind Advent wreaths and calendars and like you just mentioned the Epiphany Michael so that was really really cool to um learn all of the background of that and I would like to try to start some sort of Advent tradition now I know I just went to Mass uh this past sunday and i think the father was saying that one of the parishioners is buying all the supplies needed for people to come make wreaths for free i forgot what day though um so that's really neat but yeah aside from that we would just you know typical things like setting up the nativity setting up the christmas tree i just recently learned that traditional catholics you don't set up the christmas tree until christmas eve like hardcore tradition oh go ahead there's variants on that so there's a variance on that tradition depending on who you ask. So some people will put the tree up, but they won't decorate it or they'll decorate over time. Mm. Like, you know, like they'll do like a little bit like for each week of Advent. 
there was never a hard rule for that. And I think a lot of the Christmas tree on, um, on Christmas was like, cause you're getting a real tree and like, we don't want the thing to dry out before the season's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I think that the way that I've seen it promutate is that people do a little bit of something um, each day of the Advent season, not necessarily um, like the tree has to go up on Christmas. I, that I've never heard anybody say that that was really like the tradition. More people have said, we did a little bit of something like each week. <laughs> so totally. I, I just plan on incorporating more prayer and more mindfulness of my spiritual practice. So like that, that'd be tradition for me. Um, I know you and I, Fonzie, still have our consecration to Mary, planning to finish that on Guadalupe's feast day, so December 12th, but that still leaves like two more weeks for for Advent. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing like too big that we do with my family other than just gathering, sharing food and laughs and things like that. Oh, and so that's totally folk. fine. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? And a folk magic um, tidbit also, don't forget to go to church and steal some of the hay and like put it in your wallet so that your money never runs out. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's like that's like all the Italian grandmas. Like, so this like you want to see like magic like in your particular like parish. Like, you know, like at Christmas, like we have all the Italian grandmas who are like stealing hay from like the Christmas crash, and they're like um, putting stuffing it into their wallets so like that their money won't run out. And so um, that's oh, a I little tip right there. Oh, and you can I'm... also use it if you make um if you make little charms and stuff like that for abundance. I like to keep some of the hay just like you're around to like throw it into those workings also. Ooh, thank oh my you god, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna take a whole entire bale. Like I can't, I can't. I'm gonna be going around all of San Francisco to different parishes trying to look for hay. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I love Christmas so much. It's like one of the most important parts of my entire year and for a lot of reasons um filipino traditions around christmas time first of all filipino christmas uh, filipino christmas starts in september (laughs) it starts so quick like trees are up the first of september and like fuck halloween fuck thanksgiving it's all about christmas right um mostly because you know um the philippines is extremely extremely catholic so they're they're very devout people when it comes to to christmas and it's it's also a very exciting time but um there is a particular filipino tradition that i absolutely love and it's called the parol and it's basically it's a lantern that is made of bamboo sticks and paper or sometimes it's cellophane or and it's a it's a in the shape of a star and it's uh, it's supposed to represent the, the the star that guided the three kings to the um, to the birth of Christ, and it's one of the most it, I I love it so much. It's like I I ha- I made a parole last year or two years ago, and I ha- I have it hanging in my window year round, um, and it's one of my I'm looking at it right now. I'm actually getting a little emotional. <laughs> because I love it so much. Um, but it's like these traditions that have kind of been ingrained with me within like my entire life within my family. It's that's what it means to me. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily mean the birth of Christ because historically, if we want to get really, really technical, Christ wasn't born in December. <laughs> he was like June baby. <laughs> yeah. He was a June baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, but to celebrate because Christmas is the, is a feast day, right? It is a feast day and to celebrate 
the birth of Christ, regardless of when it happened, um, is I think very important to me in my practice because it honors the miracle of what the birth of Christ represents. Okay, it was the the birth of a new beginning for a group of folks who had nothing left. It was a new beginning for folks who who were seeking a new arrival to the basically the the um the gate they 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 it was the birth of the gateway to heaven you know which is what folks were just looking for you know what i mean they were waiting for it so um to pay honor to that is i think what christmas means to me and then <clears throat> oh that sounds so corny <laughs> what christmas means to me and then also um my mom has this um yearly tradition the the weekend after Thanksgiving, that Saturday is when we put the tree up. And I always tell my mom, my mom's like every year, I was like, do we have to put the tree up this year? I'm just like, if we're not going to put anything up, we're putting the tree up. The tree is number one to me. You know what I mean? I don't know why, but every single time I see a Christmas tree, I get like really emotional for some reason. Like I turn into like this emotional wreck because I don't know, there's something about it being like a beacon or like um, a very spiritual whether it's real or fake, I like it. I like it both ways. I really couldn't care less. Um, but whether it's real or fake, it's kind of like a, a kind of like an altar to me, the um, the Christmas tree, because like you're you're placing, you're you're um, decorating it right, which is what I do with my personal altar, and you're also placing offerings underneath it, right? So it's something that I really, really resonated with my entire life. And now I have kind of shifted the way I, I see the Christmas tree, but I do see it in a way of like offering gifts to my loved ones, which in turn off uh, are offerings to, you know, Christ um, and um, what he represents to me, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, what I'm trying to say is that because you've discerned and you kind of disassociated yourself from the church, yo, it's totally fine to celebrate Christmas. Like it's totally okay to celebrate Christmas in any way you feel is appropriate to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that ugh, I'm getting like a little emotional right now. I want to hug my grandma for some reason. I have to, like, yeah. I just like, I'm feeling so like, I feel like I'm feeling so much better for some reason. I, I love it. But Anyways, Ryan, do you have anything else to add? Or Michael, do you have anything else to add? I guess I just want to ask you, Michael, what are some of your favorite resources that you like to share with our listeners that it can be in regards to saints or into full Catholic magic or anything like that, um, whether it's podcasts or books or anything like that, that have really helped you in your practice that you'd like to share for other people? Shit. You know, that's, that's another hard one because so much of my practice is like, I pick up the Novena book and we just make it work. Like, you know, like it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, it's just like, you kind of just like throw it together. But in all seriousness, though, I tell people like, you know, like start out with the traditional prayers. Like, you know, I think it's important to kind of start out with the traditional Novenas and then make them your own. Like, you know, like any books on the lives of the saints, and it doesn't have to be a big scholarly book. It can be a picture book um, to get you started. Um, Judica Illis's book of saints, sages, and mystics, which I absolutely love. I think she did such a great job. There it is. Um, and <laughs> I think that that's a really great and comprehensive 
a comprehensive guide to kind of starting out with the Saints and kind of getting your information together. Of course, J. Allen Cross's book, American Brujeria, is a great book on folk Catholicism from a Mexican standpoint. We have Mary Grace Farhoom's um, book, Italian Folk Magic. Gian Michael Salvato, who is my personal teacher, um, has a book, and I'm sorry right now, Gian Michael, because I can't remember the title of your book, and I should have came prepared. I knew this was coming. And so <laughs> um, other books that have really influenced me was The Occult Christ, which is a really good book, and I'm not sure if it's out of print, but um, The Occult Christ is a great book. Another book, um, if you're looking for something that's more a part of kind of mystic Christianity, um, would be a book called Invaded by God, which is about um, the indwelling Trinity, which was a really pivotal point in my spirituality. And I really think really started kind of my, my ascent or descent, depending how you look on it, into, ma into magic, um, was the book Invaded by God. And so um, just off the top of my head, that's what I can think about right now. <laughs> also something that um i want to um just uh for folks to um just be aware of is that judica isles this is something that i learned from jalen cross on his podcast is uh judica isles for their publisher i think it's harper one is every book that they publish has to go through judica isles so I think like uh, uh, Jalen uh, Jay's book had to also go through um, Judica Isles and Judica Isles wrote literally an encyclopedia of mystic saints and sages. So this is a very, very, very good um, uh, uh, reference uh, to, 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 uh, to use within your practice. It's something that you definitely know there's good information in here. So I would, go even further to say that anything that you get from Harper One would probably be a good option for you. Just so folks can understand that. I don't know if they've heard that before, but uh, but also don't just abandon your discernment skills because I said that. Yeah. And as I, I, as I stated before, like the old tried and true um, really is um, really is kind of if you want a place to start really is the right way, not necessarily a right way, but is a good starting place. Like, you know, and I think it's important to remember that kind of folk Catholicism and folk Catholic magic, like this is a living tradition. Like, you know, this is something that you can go and you can observe um, within the community if you have the eyes to see it and a place to see it. Like, this isn't something that you really have to go searching for. Again, like I tell people, go to Christmas Eve mass and you're gonna see all the Italian grannies at the crash, like, you know, getting their money, hey. Like, you know, and like, you know, this is a very well- Money, hey. <laughs> and so but, it, if, but it, this is something that's living and it's something that you can make particularly your own like you know you don't have to stay to kind of the tried and true tradition like you know develop these relationships develop your ritual and you can make something completely beautiful from that <laughs> Totally. Well, I want to thank you so much, Michael, for being a guest on our podcast. And also just thank you for the info you put out in general, because I still when, when I was first starting out on getting into full Catholicism or reintegrating Catholicism into my life, you were a great help for, for the information and everything you have and still do share. So thank you so much for everything that you do and for what you shared with me and, and Instagram. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for having me. This was like great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so uh, did you have fun? 
I had so much fun. You guys are so much fun. I'm so glad that this is like our first meeting. And I was like, this is great. (laughs) I really know. I literally felt like we were just at a bar having drinks and just having a, having a little kiki. And I love it. Yes. (laughs) Um, Something that I feel like we should also mention, we had Ramona Martinez um, on our podcast, um, on our bonus episode, which is actually our second episode. And I just want to take this time to congratulate Ramona and Chris because they have been fully funded for their Visions of Mary deck. And I am so, so excited for them. And congratulations again. If you are listening, congratulations. I'm happy that this work of art is going to be in the hands of so many people. I cannot wait to buy it. I same. I just yeah. want to tell her now, just like take my money. Like you know, right. like, yeah, just take it now. <laughs> right. right, right, right. And I'm so yes, I t- take all of my money. Take all of my money. I want all of I want all of the all the prints, all of the t-shirts, all of the bandanas. I want all of it. I want all of it. Right. Um, all those goodies seem so dope. Oh, it's so sick. It's so sick. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us. And with that said, my name is Fonzie. I am at Witch Illumicente on Instagram. My name is Ryan. You can find me on Instagram at the Mestizo Mystic or on Twitter just at Mestizo Mystic. And I'm Michael, and you can find me on Instagram at Saintly Tarot Mystic. And happy holidays to everyone. And we will see you again in January in our next Unholy Communion. <laughs>